great to worship with you every Sunday and to gather with you. If you're new, uh, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and it's an honor to have you here. I know it takes courage coming to a new place, which came on a fantastic night because not every week we have food trucks, um, and we can pray that they would get here. That'd be good. Okay, so, um, hey, we're excited for tonight, excited to continue on in our series in Colossians. So if you have your Bible, you are welcome to open up to Colossians chapter 3. If you're kind of new to the Bible and you have one of those smartphones, you can actually pull out Version, which is a free Bible app, and you can look and follow along with all the notes and things there. Just click on events, type in Element City Church, and you'll find us there. Um, so as we make our way there to Colossians 3, as we kind of get into Colossians, I do want to take a second and remind you about a couple things that are coming up um, that we just want to make sure that you're aware of and that you would join us in. And so one of those is Good Friday. We are actually doing a Good Friday service, a Good Friday worship night uh, in conjunction with Elements, uh, with Element City Church and U City Church. And we're going to be on their campus that Friday night at 630. And there's info cards about that you can get at the next step table. It's kind of, we have a, a kindred spirit with them and have been walking and talking about doing something together for a while. We want to build the Capital C Church, and we want to do that in a worship night, and uh, we'd love to have you come and celebrate with us, be a part of that. And then, obviously, that's part of Easter season, and we have some invite cards for you tonight and next week to begin thinking about who you might invite, not just for Easter Sunday, but we're actually doing a full month series called The Case for Christ. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Lee Strobel. Uh, he is a pastor now, but he was an investigative reporter in the Chicago Tribune whose wife actually found Christ, uh, got baptized, and he set out to disprove Christianity and spent two years researching, going around the country, investigating the whole thing, and uh, became convinced along the way. And he gave his life to Christ. And kind of this is his story a little bit. The movie's actually coming out in a few weeks. We're not going to the movie, but you're welcome to go see it. But we're going to spend a few weeks looking at the credibility of Christianity and kind of looking at the case for Christ as a book that Lee wrote. Uh, and it's going to be something I think that'll be a fun journey, not just for you to think about the credibility of Christianity. Maybe you're here and you're skeptical yourself and someone dragged you to church and that's awesome that you're here. But so maybe that would be a good series for you to investigate. What is this Christianity thing about, and, and what, how did I get my questions answered, and what, is, what about all these things, and we'll, we'll look at some of that stuff together in the month of April. So I want to highlight those two couple things. You'll get invite cards out at the Next Steps table tonight. So we've been in this series for uh, a while now, going through the book of Colossians, and tonight, uh, with, with great fanfare, uh, I'm going to preach on one verse. <laughs> Really thought that would get more of a laugh. Okay, but okay. <laughs> Thanks, appreciate that. Okay, so um, because I'm only preaching on one verse, let me do a little bit of a recap to kind of catch you up on a few things. So if you haven't been here, obviously you can always go back online, Element City Church, look, click on messages, and you can find the stuff there and watch that. If you missed some that you want to go back to, or if you want to repeat, rerun. Uh, but we looked the last few weeks at chapter three. See, Paul is a pastor, and he's a teacher at heart. He's a shepherd at heart. And what he wants is for this early church then, and for really the, the early church and for us even today, is to understand good theology. Understand, okay, who Jesus is. It matters who he is. It matters the significance of what he did and who he is and how he lived in the cosmos and in everything. It matters. And so he's going to lay out great theology. In most of Paul's writings, he spends the first part of the book kind of doing that, building theology that you can understand, okay, here's, here's what we believe as followers of Jesus. Here's what we hang our hat on. 
And then in the second half of the books usually, he'll go kind of this, this application because he's a pastor and he wants you to have a, a heart that says, hey, I don't wanna just know stuff, I wanna have it transform how I now live. And so he's starting to play out, okay, here's how this application begins to work out. If, if you're sane and hanging your hat on Jesus and this is all he's done for you and this is what he wants to do in you, this is how it begins to play out in life, and we kind of looked the last couple weeks at this, we call it kind of the spiritual clothing makeover, right? And we looked at some things, there's three lists of five things that he puts in chapter three, where he lists out some, some vices that people kind of give themselves over to, and he says, look, these aren't things that are for your best, they're not God's best, you need to let these things go, because you've been redeemed, you've been saved by Christ in faith, and now you have a different identity. So these things are kind of clinging on to you, holding you back from what God really does desires and his best that he wants for you, let these go. And then he has some virtues that he wants these things to be embedded more and more into our soul, to our spirit, to our character, to how we live and navigate life. And we looked at a few of those last week. So some things to put off and some things to put on. And then he kind of goes through a, a list of other things, and there's no way that he can capture every vice that's out there in humanity, every vice that surrounds us in our culture, and say, so, okay, don't do these things. And sometimes Christian, uh, people look at Christians and go, okay, well, it's just a list of do's and don'ts. Well, no. Uh, it's a list maybe of some things, but here's what Paul's really trying to say is, look, you have a new life in faith, so of course, you'd wanna let go of some of these things and you'd want to put on these things because you have been given this incredible gift and so you'd want to reflect that more and more. And so he walks through these things and then he kinda comes to Colossians 3, verse 17. And here's uh, the invitation for you tonight, really simply, here's the challenge. I'm gonna give it to you now and at the end. Here's the challenge for you this week. Memorize Colossians 3, 17. Okay, so, so for some of you who are like tape A people, I'm gonna put it on the screen in a second and you're gonna spend the next five minutes trying to memorize it, okay? Actually, take it off the screen because we just don't wanna mess, okay. I know for some of you, I really bugged you right there because you're like, it was up there, I was trying to read it and then he took it off, okay. So listen, I'm gonna put it back up there in a second. So you are to memorize this. This is your challenge this week. Memorize one verse, okay, you can do it. And then throughout the week, I just want you to kind of keep this rhythm, kind of keep repeating it to yourself because what Paul is saying here is vital. It's not a list. It's a principle that he wants you, he wants me to make a part of kind of guiding us in a life of faith. We talked about some practices a couple weeks ago, this idea of this practice of recognition. Recognize those things that are maybe out of alignment from God's best in your life. Recognize those good things that God's building in your life. Practice repentance, this idea of saying, hey God, I know I'm out of alignment here. I agree with you I'm out of alignment, and I don't want to be. I wanna be back right with you in this practice of replacement. I'm gonna replace maybe some of these things by putting on some of these things and having them be more and more a part of my character Keep following Jesus because Jesus always leads his followers to better things. That's this idea of keep staying close and then Paul kind of gets to this end and he gives this principle that sums up everything and here's what he says, okay? So here's the verse, start memorizing, here we go, ready? And whatever you do, in fact, say that with me, ready? And whatever you do. So what makes that list? Okay, in case you were dense, he goes on and he expands on it. Whether in word or deed, okay? 
So whether you say something or whether you're doing something. So like in whatever you do, which like if you've ever been to skate country before, how many of you ever been to skate country before? Okay. You remember when they do the, like the, the couples skate and that's weird because it's all junior hires and it's out there. Um, and then they do like the guys skate and they race and they just hit each other. And then it's the girls skate and they're like, look, it's all. but then they do like the what? All skate, right? This is Paul on an all skate, okay? Whatever you do. So is there some things that doesn't make that list? No. Everything makes that list, okay? There isn't like a non-list side. There isn't like, okay, everything but these. Okay, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do it all. Okay, this is a principle that Paul wants us to put in place in our life to begin to challenge us, to show us in word or deed, everything. See, the challenge in our culture sometimes is we like to partition areas of life. We have a work life, we have a social life, we have a a faith life or a Christian life we have uh, kind of this hobby life that we have over here, and, and if we're not careful, we can begin to partition areas of our life and say, okay, well, this is how I am at work, and this is how I am in my social settings, and this is how I am on Sundays at church, and this is how I am here in this hobby when I partake in that, and this is how I am on that weekend because that weekend. Okay, so like we start partitioning things. And, and the crazy thing is that it becomes so natural. And if we're not careful, we can begin following the patterns of this world. But how did he start this chapter? Okay, you put your mind on things above. Set your hearts on things above. You, you put off these things, you put on these things. Hey, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Whatever you do. See, what Paul's trying to guard against is this partitioned life that in our culture, I believe, is really easy for us to slip into. It's easy for us to start saying, well, okay, this is how I act at work. And this is how I act on Sundays. This is how I act when I go out on Fridays. And this is how I act when I do here. And and the reality is there's very little crossover. You think about it, even in the ancient cultures uh, that were pervasively religious, The most pagan religious practices were ritual observances, meaning I observe this ritual, I do this, and then I punch the clock and I'm done. And I can leave it there. So I I go to this temple, I do this, and then I leave and I go live life. And what Paul is saying here in contrast is, look, Jesus Christ, his lordship and his leadership must influence every area and aspect of your life. The lordship and the leadership of Jesus must begin to influence every aspect and every area of your life. This is about congruency. This is about this idea of being authentically a Jesus follower. Does that mean I'm authentically never angry? No, I still slip up with that. I I still get angry, I get irritated. I have those things. But this is about trying to live a whole life not a partitioned life. 
And so what Paul is saying is he's given this principle to say, look, you, you live this way in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what's fascinating here is that he uses Jesus' name. You'll read through Colossians and you'll read uh, the title for Jesus, which is often Christ, okay, the, the risen one, this, the, the, the anointed one, the one that is to come, the Messiah. You'll read that 23 times in this book. You'll read seven times the name of Jesus himself. And right here, Paul is trying to tie this to the name of Jesus. Why is he doing that? Why not just use a title here? Because a name in that culture had meaning. A name in our culture, we tend to almost treat names like labels. But a name in that culture, in the first century, had significance and meaning behind it. And so this name of Jesus was significant and Paul's saying, you live for the name of Jesus. You, you live as a representation, maybe your Bible even says that in this verse, that you're representative of Jesus. Not a title of the one who runs the universe, but of Jesus himself. And who is Jesus? Well, he's my rescuer. He's the one that saved me. This is what the angel says uh, to Joseph, remember? Uh, Mary's gonna have this child, Matthew chapter one, and, and you're to name him Jesus because he's the one who saved his people from their sins. This is what Peter, speaking in Acts after the resurrection, is standing before the Sanhedrin and the leaders and says, there is no other name by which someone must be saved given under heaven and earth except the name of Jesus. It's the significance. Jesus was a real person. And the way he lived, the way he conducted himself, the way he taught, the way he interacted with people, you and I are called in this to live out a principle of let's behave, let's act, let's interact, let's react like Jesus. Not just a title that's out there or a philosophy that's over things. Let's look at the life of Jesus and let's be like that. Paul, that's what Paul's challenging us to see. And whatever you do, in word or deed, you do this. This is what you're supposed to be. And so you let this be a guide of your heart. You know, to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus is to pursue and value his interest in life over just your own. Meaning his interest, his values, his passions, his desires, his dreams, they've gotta be on the radar of your life, not just your own. You have some. In fact, you've been given incredible gifts and incredible talents and incredible dreams and passions, and God wants to use those. But he's got dreams and passions and abilities and giftings and talents and values and desires that he wants us to be a part of bringing out into this world to the scope of the people that you can influence that are right around you, that are right around me. And so in whatever you do, in word or deed, this is what we're to do, and we're to do it with an attitude of gratitude. What's this end? This idea of thankfulness. This idea of saying, hey, I, I wanna be grateful for who I am. See, this idea of thankfulness is to permeate how we live. The enemy knows that if he can get you and I to kinda move from a posture of gratitude, then we can become spiritually stuck. We can become spiritually sidelined. And so this attitude of gratitude, this thankfulness of heart of everything God's done for us is to permeate our lives and to be kind of the grease that keeps us going and functioning properly and moving the right way. This thankfulness is a big deal. 
So in whatever you do, in word or in deed, so in word is like what we, what? What we say. How do we communicate in our culture? Obviously words. We communicate non-verbally. We communicate in, uh, how many of you are on Twitter? How many of you are on Facebook? How many of you are on Snapchat? How many of you are on any other thing that I cannot think, Instagram, okay? How many of you are on, uh, what's the other things? Okay, I don't raise your hand if you're on Tinder. I just, I, but it's just, there's so many things that are out there that we use to communicate in and, and, and all these things. There's some times where I look, and I bet you do too, at people who post things. And don't you wonder in your heart, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that says, hey, wow, do they not realize people see this? Do you know what gives Christians bad names and bad reputations sometimes? It's stuff that people post that they would never say to their own mom's face. That if you can't say it to your mama, maybe you shouldn't post it. Maybe that's a good rule for life. There you go, social media 101. <laughs> that in whatever you do, in word or in deed, let it be honoring to Christ. Proverbs uh, 21 says this, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. I think in a culture that is 24-7 communication, we can learn a lot from that little proverb. That we could say, hey, this is something. Remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil person brings evil out of the evil stored up in them. Jesus is saying, look, what your heart is full of will overflow and it will come out. So make sure that you have in there what you want in there. That's why Paul's challenging us and saying, look, it matters. Uh, maybe a verse that uh, could be the poster verse of this. Every, anything you say in word, anything we post, we write, we say. Uh, maybe Paul writes this in Ephesians 4.29. I made my kids memorize this as we were growing up. Uh, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to whose needs? Not your needs, their needs. According to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So when the argument would start, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Oh, dead. Didn't do that all the time. But it was challenging at times. Listen, looking in the mirror, it's challenging at times. We live in a culture that loves to rip people apart. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that should not be. Period. Whatever you do, in word, do it all for the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do in deed, whatever you do, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, <clears throat> that's kind of everything. Whatever you do, whatever you put your hands to, whatever you put your heart to, whatever you take action upon, it's your behavior at work and at school and in social events and even in your recreational activities. It's bringing your best to whatever you do at the office and in your relationships and in your hobbies and whatever you put your hand to. That you do your best. That we don't do anything half-heartedly. That as a follower of Jesus, 
what Paul's saying here is you, you don't mail it in. You don't just coast. You bring your absolute best because you're not working for people who go on later on in this, this book and talk about this, this idea of everything you put your heart to, whether you're a banker or whether you're a baker, whether you're a construction worker or whether you're someone who, who's working on jet planes that will go, whether you're in aerospace or whether you're taking out the trash, whether you're a teacher, a preacher, or whatever you're doing, give your whole heart to it. Give your whole passion to it. Whatever you do, bring your best and how you live, and for the name of Jesus, you're a representation of him. So God's given you passions, and he's given you talents and giftings and abilities. Use them well, because everything we have is on loan from God anyway. The brain you have, you didn't have to be given that, but you got it. The abilities and talents that you have, you didn't have to be given that, but you were gifted that. The passions and dreams and desires and drive that's within you, you didn't have to be given that, but you were gifted that. And so use that to the furtherance of God. Maybe the bottom line is simply this. Use your God-given passions in a God-honoring way to build into a bigger God-sized story. Give your whole heart to this. Now, does this mean that if you're a fashion designer that you've got to hem in the Christian fish to every you know, hemline of your jeans that you make? No. You don't have to do that. You could do that. You know, I love uh, In-N-Out. Um, and you know in the bottom of every one of their cups there's a verse reference. I don't know if you knew that or not. So next time you go there, wait till you finish drinking, then turn it over. Um, and you can see the verse reference. It's there because the, the owner, the, the creator of In-N-Out, has a Christian background, has a passion for that. And so that's one of the things they wanted to do. They wanted to let people know in a subtle way. What Paul's saying here is, look, everything you do, in whatever you do, in word or deed, you do it for the name of Jesus because you represent him. And you do it with a thankfulness in your heart for everything God's done for you. So you let that be the principle that guides you when you go through conversations, when you go through situations, you go through circumstances that you don't quite know what to do, let that principle be a principle that guides you in how you navigate with God's leading and God's courage. That you, you lean into that. You know, it, this is kind of this challenge to say I'm gonna go all in in life. That's really what Paul's saying. Is look, don't partition your life. This, this idea of Jesus impacting you and changing you, well, it's to affect and have an effect on everything and every aspect of your life. It's like going all in on your faith. You know, for a couple of you tonight, you're getting ready to kind of demonstrate that in baptism. That we have a couple folks that are getting ready to go forward in their faith and kind of let people know, hey, uh, I, I may not have everything figured out yet, but I, the one thing I did figure out is I need Jesus. And I said yes to him and he's gonna be the leader of my life, and he's gonna be taking me on this process of what we talked about earlier, the sanctification, changing me, transforming me. This is not about spiritual information. This is about spiritual transformation. This is about saying yes to, to God leading and guiding your life more and more, and okay, in whatever I do. So again, here's your challenge this week. You need to memorize Colossians 3.17, okay? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Let that be on repeat this week. And just see how it begins to influence the filter of how you see and navigate life. You know, we, uh, we're gonna continue on in the service, kind of looking into a time of communion, kind of singing a song. I'll give a couple quick announcements and we'll be off into to partying. We, we're a church that loves to serve. We do that a lot around here. We're also a church that likes to have fun. And so we're gonna do that a little bit tight. Uh, and so glad that you're here. And as we move to a time of communion, I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. And, and here's the invitation, simply this. It's just creating some space. And maybe the, the, the moment for you tonight is simply taking 30 seconds to say, God, okay, <clears throat> is there anything in my life that's kind of been out of kilter, out of alignment with you, that, okay, if whatever I do in word or deed, I need to do it for you, Jesus. And so is there something that you're trying to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, let's make it some adjustments here. And if he's doing that, then lean in and say, okay, God, let this week, let's start making some adjustments to that. If there's something he's calling to put more and active into your life, what is that? And this week, start begin taking some steps. God, whatever I do, in word or deed, I wanna do it for your name, Jesus. And I wanna live with an attitude of gratitude for everything you've done for me. And so, Father, we pray that in these next few moments that we would just maybe hear one or two things from you that we need to adjust, we need to pursue. We're grateful that you're a God who loves us. We're grateful that you've given us the Lord's Supper to remember you by. That Jesus, your life, your death, your resurrection made it possible for us to have life with God the Father. That it's through faith in you and you alone that sets us up to have a right relationship with God and to walk life with him. And so Father, we pray for the two that are being baptized tonight. We pray that tonight would be a night that they remember the rest of their lives. That as they go public with their faith, that we would champion and cheer for them as a church. Father, if there's any here tonight that have never really stepped forward and said yes to Jesus, I pray that tonight would be a night that they would. That say, okay, I'm tired of kind of doing life my own. I wanna investigate more of this guy, Jesus. I wanna know more about him. Or maybe they would seek us out, talk to the friend that brought him. Maybe there's someone here tonight that has never been baptized and they're like, you know what, I, I need to do that. And if not tonight, coming soon, that you would choose to do that. So fathers, we remember in communion your life, your death, your resurrection, Jesus, that you empower us to live. Pray that you'd speak to us as we worship you in song as we celebrate together tonight.